1: Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. In preparing for this episode, I realized something mind-boggling. I have known Bobby Burton for 25 years, and we didn't get to know each other until I was out of the newspaper business. That stunned me, but Bobby and I go way back to when I was working for the Wichita Eagle, not on the newspaper side, but creating a Kansas State sports magazine called Purple Pride, It was in 1995. Burton was working in Austin at the National Recruiting Advisor, and he became my go-to guy for National Recruiting Scoop when it came to the Kansas State football program. Men such as Brian Gates and Jeremy Crabtree signed on to help me locally. Because here's a dirty little secret. I'm not much of a recruiting guy. First, I don't possess the memory to recall height, weights, and 40 times for a long list of potential K-State players. My brain works differently than that. So from the very start of my time publishing a magazine and now a website, I've leaned on guys such as Bobby Burton. Now I have Go Power Cats football recruiting editor Ryan Wallace and the team of experts at 24-7 Sports to lend a hand. But my very first recruiting guy was Bobby Burton who went on to work for the TheOriginalRivals.com and recruited me to join the network. Eventually, he helped found 24-7 Sports and now is in a much lesser role as he explores other endeavors, including owning a barbecue restaurant in Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm certain Bobby and I will spend way too much time during this call talking about our passion for barbecue. Now, let's call my longtime friend Bobby Burton in the suburbs of Nashville. Mr. Bobby Burton, how you doing, Fitz? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? Good,
0: man. Everything going all right? And
1: yeah, Kansas. Yeah, other than uh, the football team being like COVID nineteen magnets.
0: <laughs> that's not just that's not just in uh, Manhattan. <laughs> that seems to be everywhere.
1: No, now you know it. it who knows? I mean,
0: I, I, you've got to wonder if Dabo is purposely getting them sick at this point from yeah. like 3 to 23 in a week. Yeah. And I'm kidding. Yeah, but you, well, you give my point. I,
1: I mean, I almost feel like at this point it's time to recognize it's going to be almost impossible to keep young people from feeling invincible and not social distancing. It's crazy. K-State went from 0 to 14 and bam, nothing. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I think that – I mean, what what do you do? No, don't don't kiss your girlfriend that you haven't seen in the six months since you left campus last or right. whatever three months ago. Now I, I think that I, I just I think that college football is going to look different. I think that uh, not just on the field but also in the stands and everything about it. I mean, I, it's hard to fathom uh, tailgating with
1: masks on uh-huh. I mean, just,
0: how do you do that it's hard to get to the beer
1: i know, know? <laughs> and that's the important part of tailgating right there yeah exactly i don't know what's going to happen man I, i've got a bad feeling we're not going to get to a good place and we're not going to have enough players to play college football let alone when the players get around older coaches and older support staff and you know maybe less healthy young people that are helping out the football program and someone gets really sick so We'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a – we've got, what, 60 or, what, 75 days, 80 days now? Yeah. left.
1: Yeah, in case they just shut so, down for two weeks. So that takes out, you know, 20, 25% of that time.
0: Yeah. And so you're you're looking at um, – really, if it, if it doesn't run through them, you're going to look at a – you very well could be looking at a team that plays fields 40 players. In a game, if you really think about yeah. it, I mean, tech, just for example, Texas has got—I think they had 13 with another 10 quarantined or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but they're in the 20s from a quarantine perspective. So that means they can't—they can't play for two weeks, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And so, that if you have 80 scholarships and not everybody has all 80 scholarships out, it, you could literally be talking about 40 go into a big away game with 40 or 50 kids and maybe your third string quarterback, you know, and that's, that's going to play havoc on what goes on this season with the rankings and all that stuff. I think that uh, we'll probably see how all that rolls out. The best thing that we can hope for, as you know, is some kind of cure area and mitigation of all this, uh, of the disease itself. Once it does take hold, because that's what, you know as a fifty year old man you know and i'm I know you're in my age range um and have had some health issues that that 's what scares us all yep uh, from that standpoint is um once you get it it's kind of you, you don't know what 's going to happen because it tr- treats different people differently
1: it's such a strange world i i've been trying to be you know self quarantined I rarely go out maybe you know, to a garden store here and there and so that we can keep working in the yard so I can stay active and not lose my mind locked up inside. But just now I realized I switched to Team iPhone, Bobby. It was a big life decision. Um, (laughs) You know, it's one of those that I really wrestled with, but eventually uh, all the camera and different things that they've come out with on this 11 got me over the hump. But I ordered a dongle. One of my favorite words now in the English language, uh, because the iPhone doesn't have a headphone jack. And to record mm-hmm. this phone call, I need the dongle that gives you a headphone jack. Well, mine didn't get delivered on time, so I just went out to find one. And the only place I could find that was open this morning to go find one was Target. And I have not been in a big store since all of this hit. So it was with great energy discomfort that I entered target. I could see like around every aisle, the little COVID monster, yeah, the little Rona just hanging out ready to yeah. jump on me, but it wasn't bad. I mean,
0: well, did you, let me ask you this. So this is a good, a good barometer. How many people in the store had masks on? Like what percentage?
1: Honestly, this time it was about 50 or, or higher in favor of masks, which is the first time I've experienced that in a, in a store like setting or, um, I've been to a grocery store, which was bad. I've been to, uh, Home Depot, which was horrific. Uh, but yeah, this was, and maybe it was the morning crowd. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there was, I was pleasantly surprised and it wasn't real crowded to start with so that that made things a little bit easier, but yeah, uh, it's not good. And, and hopefully more and more people are beginning to understand that, Wearing a mask is not a giant government conspiracy. Uh, It's going to improve how
0: like 75% of the population looks. uh,
1: That's true. Imagine
0: a world where you don't have to have dentists.
1: I know. I, I know. You just cover up your face and go about your business. I wish I had a cool mask that made a, a statement, but I'm just wearing surgical masks, which I hate them. I mean, I absolutely hate wearing them, but I know it's essential. And again, I keep emphasizing to people, you're not really wearing a mask to protect yourself. You are a little bit, but you're hoping everyone else is wearing a mask to protect you. So yes. People don't get that. Well, it's my right not to wear a mask. Well, it's not really your right to put me in danger. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, here's the comparison for you. So I live in suburban Nashville and uh, it, I, I will tell you that from the very outset, when you went to a grocery store um, because we had a, a somewhat large breakout here fairly early uh, in the, uh, uh, in the chronology of this whole thing, we had a fairly sizable outbreak and when you went to a grocery store, everybody was wearing one. So that was good. And the numbers stayed down for a long period of time. And then about three or four weeks ago, more people started going out. I would go walk in the, we have a park that's kind of like got some hiking trails and I would wear a mask to that and then just kind of take it off as I'm walking unless right. somebody comes near me, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Well, over the last, three weeks to a month, that's kind of morphed into now less than 25% of the people are wearing masks anywhere. Not just, not just, uh, I wouldn't say that about grocery stores. That's a little bit different, but, um, to, uh, the pet smart that we have to go get the dog from dog food from, I, I just, it's those kind of places where the, uh, and I had to go to an Apple store for my son and that was in a mall and lucky if 50% of the people in a mall were wearing masks. Mm. So just not smart. I mean, I'm, I'm look again, I'm, I realize I'm one of the, um, I, I don't know how vulnerable, what percent of the vulnerable population I am, but I know I'm enough that I, I need to be wearing a mask and would hope that others would do me the, the courtesy of doing the same
1: it's it's shocking to me that bobby burton is now an old fart but there you are buddy you're there (laughs) (laughs) you cross that 50 border man and i'm telling you what it's it's kind of the peak of the summit now you're rolling downhill no
0: longer driving the toyota Celica hatchback
1: (laughs) (laughs) so let's recap man we met in the mid 90s uh yep. we I, I went to work for the Wichita Eagles starting up a magazine called Purple Pride and you were my main recruiting contact when you were in Austin with the National Recruiting Advisor, your little gig that put you on the map. Eventually, uh well, we first of all, we, we almost went into business together. If we'd had found a uh angel person with a bunch of money sitting around, we probably would have done it yep um, and uh recruiting now was going to be an online recruiting service. Little did we know how far ahead of the game we were uh so but we had no clue how to raise money, so that didn't happen we we're, <laughs> we're, 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 were at the time we were basically monkeys. I wrote yeah. about k State and you covered recruiting, and that's really all we were good at, right yep, no doubt, and so. I think
0: that that's you know I feel like uh we were ahead of our time, and I feel like uh, um, we probably ended up both in the right spots at the right time. I mean, you've uh, parlayed what you've done at K-State into you know, something that's, in my opinion, a um, blueprint for what other uh, people should try to become when they cover a team in, in a, an authoritative way and a, a way that really brings uh, – not just the information to them, but actually brings the fans together in an educated fashion and not some hyper uh, unfair or uh, I don't know how to say it, but some, some go over the top with their fandom right? and some try to keep it uh, real for their fans so that they actually can, can uh, discern what's going on as opposed to, you know, everything's rosy. This is the greatest place on earth type thing. Um, and so from that standpoint, I, I think and, – and you've had success because of it and enjoyed it. And you and Becky have done uh, tremendous
1: stuff. So. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. eventually uh, you started to go to work for Rivals when it when it was birthed back in the late 90s and brought me on board and off we go into the online world. And it's kind of amazing how – you know, you mentioned the business how it's evolved. I mean, we were a magazine. There were a magazine with a kind of a small website that you know that early rivals. The model sucked, and it didn't quite work. Ad dollars weren't what anyone expected, and then enters Shannon Terry and changes both of our lives. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, you in particular, you and Shannon became very close, and uh, as everything broke out uh, over the course of time. You both ended up uh, doing time at Yahoo. I, I'm glad you you get you survived your time in prison, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and broke off to uh, after the non-compete to start 24/7. And here we are, and you have now retired from that side. Do you miss? Big question here. Do you miss covering recruiting?
0: Oh yeah.
1: Wow, I didn't expect yeah. that answer. What was it about that that you loved so much?
0: So when I was a kid um, growing up, m- my parents, you know, we didn't like everybody probably our age or like most middle class, lower middle class kids. When we went on vacation as kids, we went, we drove in the car everywhere. So if it was um, Colorado, we got in the car and drove across the state of Texas and drove to taos new mexico and then up to denver the next day you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh if we went to um i had cousins that lived in milwaukee we would drive two days to to milwaukee and and invariably those were always during the summer months right and i was a big sports fan sports fan college football in particular at that time pro football um and i would buy athlons for lindy's or sporting news and i would literally sit in the back of my parents delta 88 and read them to myself for hours and hours and memorize and one section of those uh, books was always recruiting and it just i mean it stuck with me i remember reading about eric dickerson being the number one recruit in the country when i was probably eight nine years old you know and uh he, he grew up in a town that's probably sixty miles west of of um Houston and it was just it always stuck with me and, and I went to my dad would take me to high school football games when I was growing up, not just uh, the ones that that uh, my uh high school played, but or my uh you know, I was in middle school or elementary school, but he'd take me to go see other games. Um and we'd saw You know, a handful of good players that would end up playing on Saturdays and then Sundays. And it's just part of who I am. And so when you ask me if I miss it, uh, I really miss not necessarily covering it and having to go out and do the interviews and uh, chase people. I do miss talking to the kids. Hmm. So I, I, I don't miss having to be the first one to break a story. I do miss actually having the conversation with the 17 year old kid about where he wants to go to school, about what he's trying to accomplish with his life through sports, those sorts of things. You know, um, I miss that. And I miss actually seeing them live on Friday nights. You know, I, I miss that immensely. Um, at the same time, um, if, if I did that now, I wouldn't see my kids on weekends, you know? And so, uh, about really right when we had my, uh, our first child is when I said, you know, I got to change because I was working a hundred hour weeks and on the road constantly. And, and, um, if I was going to do that, that there was just no place for that to end up where it was, which, you know, by the way, is one of the reasons Jeremy Crabtree is so great. A mm-hmm. guy that we've both known for such, such a long time. And a key part of of what rivals became et
1: cetera. So yeah, Krabby's amazing. Uh he's a yeah. he he could probably even though he's kind of out of recruiting right now because uh ESPN he was part of the ESPN cuts. He's working for a TV station in Kansas City. He could probably still tick off the top players in the country. Just he just Yeah, People think he would have his computer open while doing Radio and be reading stuff off his computer, and he wouldn't. It would just be coming effortlessly out of that brain. Pretty.
0: Yeah. Crazy. So I don't know if you. I mean, you know, that people that don't know Krabby I, is he pretty well? I, I assume he's pretty well known among. Oh K-State. yeah, yeah. He's a case yeah.
1: I mean, I kind of so, gave him his start, and then he went to work for the Star I, and did recruiting there.
0: Absolutely. He he went to work for you, then he worked for the Star, and then he came to work for us at the National Recruiting Advisor. Um. And you recommended him to me. And uh, Jeremy came down to um, Austin and worked there, I guess, for three years, two Mm -hmm. years. Um, And then Rivals was there, and he was part of that whole startup. And um, uh, I worked by Jeremy's side for a good five, six years, I guess. Um, And uh, just a hard worker. He loved recruiting as much as I did. Uh, that was the one thing that um, I went through a bunch of people that thought they liked recruiting but weren't necessarily willing to work at it. Um, but I, I'll just give you an example. When we first, when I first brought Jeremy down there, it wasn't like I was paying a whole bunch of money, right? Mm-hmm. But I told him, look, I, this is a hard-working job. We're trying to do something here. And we would literally work for, on Sundays, just Sundays we'd literally work from 10 in the morning until two in the morning. That was our Sunday. So kind of like you after a Saturday football game, right? Right. Where you had to get the whole magazine out that day. Yeah. It
1: was amazing and horrible at the same time.
0: Yeah. So we would literally, the two of us would call recruits from 10 o'clock until eight or nine o'clock at night across the country, 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, literally, um, And we had a database, and we would just call, call, call. And then we had to update that 900 number for hours uh, on the various schools. And I'll never forget, Jeremy never once really complained about it. Um, He instead said, let's get it, and let's do it, and let's be the best at it. And uh, I was uh, uh, still to this day um, thrilled to have worked with him. And think he's just uh, he's a terrific, hard worker uh, when he puts his mind to it, and yep. he can do great
1: things. And a so. really kind person. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, no doubt. It's really good. Yeah,
0: that's his kids are into soccer nowadays.
1: Well, you know, we all have our flaws.
0: Wait, <laughs> they're, they're they're girls. He's got them going. I think one of them, I, I think at least one of them's probably going to get a scholarship. She's actually looks like she's pretty good
1: uh, on the I, video. But, brother, I have to admit, if I had a son. I would be timid to have him in football. I really would. I mean, as much as I love the sport, my yeah. buddies who are former football players are just beaten all to hell. Just knee really? shoulders. You know, just ongoing back issues. They, their bodies age so much from, you know, playing football and just having – Diagnosed and undiagnosed injuries from their time on the field, it just, uh, yeah. let alone the CTE stuff that scares the hell out of me. I mean, as a guy, yes. guy with half a functioning brain, I can't imagine injuring the other half that I have. So, <laughs> If that made sense. I don't know if that made sense.
0: <laughs> the neurons are already synapsing
2: yeah. slowly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> put it, that exactly.
1: <laughs> it was amazing. It was a crazy time. I wasn't built. Uh, to cover recruiting I just don't have the patience to call people like that And you know, and play the game And now so many people are in it Back when you were doing it There were only a handful And now there's so many services Sites, just on and on and on And pretenders that are just calling kids Probably violating NCAA rules And, and uh, the kids are a little bit overwhelmed But the biggest change in the recruiting world Is we don't get to break stories anymore really we the kids get to do it on their own social media, and that's great. That's wonderful. It's their news, and I'm glad they get to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think that that's been going on for ten years now, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, Twitter started that, and and I'm I, I'm like you. I mean, more power to them. Um, they get to control the their uh, media and how they want to be perceived to the world, in large part. And it's not up to a 35 year old man or 25 year old kid to, um, make that decision for them. Um, I was always, I I guess there was a, a year run there where I felt like there was undue influence on kids, uh, by some in the media. Uh, I don't feel like that's as big a deal anymore. No. Uh, simply because, to your point, there's a proliferation of people. So now if one person's doing 10 of them, so the impact any nefarious actors might have is mitigated uh, by others, and it's more well-known what people do like that, so the kids are more ready for it, their coaches are more ready for it, etc.,
1: it's really neat that kids get to do that themselves now and and it it changes our job into not really about being first which was always always just kind of overrated to being the best quality in depth reliable coverage and that's a better place to be in than than rushing all the time to scoop things.
0: Yeah, and and I think over time you have to build up that trust, right? I mean, that's I'll always remember um you know telling people that, no, he can't commit to a certain school because that school doesn't want him that scholarship, but he's saying he's committed. Well, I know, but Mm -hmm. he's wrong. You know what I mean? -hmm. (laughs) So saying that is, and and you don't want to say it because you feel at some point that you're really knocking this kid's dream down, you know, but that's not the case. He just had a misconception of what, what was available to him. Um, but um, if you if you have knowledge and inside information and it can convey that to readership, I think there's always going to be people that are willing to to pay for that kind of trustworthy information and and uh, understanding.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: That's why we do what we do, Fitz. I
1: know. I think. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> that that and to put food on the
1: yeah barbecue. I, I just. Uh, <laughs> I just, I need football, man. I need some football, and I'm beginning to think it's not going to happen, and it just breaks my heart. It just breaks. Well, hi, are you a Chiefs fan? I am, and that was fantastic. I never thought I'd see the day. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I can't even express to you how much I love a guy from Texas, and his name is yeah.
0: Patrick. Yep, he's tremendous, isn't he?
1: Yeah, and and not only as a player, he's he's just been a perfect fit in the community of Kansas City.
0: Oh, good. Good. So uh, true story. My, um, my father-in-law, uh, and mother-in-law are both from Kansas city, um, grew up there. went to, I think he went to Kansas city. I don't know. It's now I've been by the school that is no longer. Um, but it was in Kansas city, Missouri, but he sent me by the high school one time when I was there, uh, on business and, uh, the high school is no longer, mm. no longer there. So it's old school, Missouri, Uh, south of the city. Anyways, uh, he is a huge uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan, and so I do watch quite a a bit of Chiefs football nowadays. He lives up here in Nashville. He and his family moved over here. They're getting kind of old, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, so they moved over here uh, to be with the grandkids and us, and uh, they live a neighborhood over, and we go and we'll watch uh, a lot of the Chiefs together, watch the Super Bowl together, obviously, but He's a big Patrick Mahomes fan,
1: <laughs> to say the least. He's incredible. He's incredible. Chris. And as amazing as it was that he brought a Super Bowl championship to Kansas City, you probably haven't heard the latest he's done. He has convinced Whataburger to come to Kansas City. What? Yep. He tweeted at Whataburger to come to Kansas City, and they are building their first location in uh, the suburbs of the Missouri side of Kansas City in Lee Summit. Oh, dude! It's a game that, changer. I love him so much. I, he, I, he next he's going to cure my cancer. That's all he can do now <laughs> to make him more Super Bowl Whataburger, Cure that cancer, Patrick, and I will build a statue of you in my front yard. <laughs> he, uh, that's awesome. The
0: closest Waterburger to us is in uh, just north of Birmingham, so I got to drive about two and a half, three hours
1: one yeah yeah we're edmund is well still water is technically our closest but is it yeah that's uh i don't know i'm i'm just i'm so happy i'm just i mean happy fat <laughs> happy fat guy
2: <laughs> oh, dude.
1: hey it's fitz let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break Tell us what you're doing now. Let's get to that. Yeah, This is, this I mean, is, my, this is what I want to talk about, what you yeah, doing. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, so I, I do a lot of things. I mean, I, I, first of all, I still – I grew up, and in, in, as you and I were talking about, we were thinking about going. I was living in Austin at the time because I, I went to Texas and stayed. After I graduated from Texas, I went to graduate school at the University of Houston, um, working for the football team there. Then a guy hired me at the National Recruiting Advisor – ended up being a partner there. Um, and so I was in Austin, uh, for that, that, that's where he hired me to work at. And so, um, I, I now after arrivals and 24 seven, I still work for 24 seven, but I'm on a, uh, micro level. I, I work at work for the university of Texas site. Um, I still talk to Shannon, uh, text with him. I used to t- talk to him every day when I go into the office, but now I just text with him uh, or talk to him uh, on the phone or whatever. But uh, uh, literally I do uh, opinion columns on Texas football and recruiting uh, and try to help manage the staff at that, at, at that publication. Uh, so that's what I'm doing from that standpoint. But obviously that doesn't take up all of my day. Um, I, I, have always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial bent. Um, as you know, and you and I both have talked about this mm-hmm. before, but I uh, run a barbecue restaurant. I don't run, I own a barbecue restaurant here locally in, uh, Brentwood, Tennessee. I have some investments in some properties and stuff like that. And so i I'm busy. I don't want to say managing all that, uh, but I also have a 16-year-old a and a 14-year-old kid, and right now, keeping them uh, happy during quarantine is is taking up uh, a lot of time <laughs> because uh, they can't just go find kids and play with them, you know. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. I, it's it keeps my my day busy. I've really started uh, about a year and a half ago. I started exercising heavily. Um, to try to get myself back into shape and I've been successful with that. So all of that mixed together is, is kind of what I do now. Um, And not one piece of it is more important than the other to me, which is uh, interesting. Um, Yeah, uh, I've kind of, I've found a happy place there. I I shouldn't say one of them's not more, more important. I mean, obviously my family is, but what I mean from that, from a time commitment standpoint and, I think I've got it in a good position where I I feel comfortable with what I'm doing and and, uh, how me and my wife are going about things. It's just uh, the whole 2020 thing is crazy (laughs) right now.
1: It is crazy. Uh, It's it's nuts.
0: It's it's, uh, something I never foresaw in my lifetime. Uh, You know, having to shut down an entire country basically. Mm -hmm. But, um it's that's where we are and we're having a good time uh trying to make it through and doing that kind of stuff.
1: Well, give a plug here for the restaurant because I've been there it's it's good barbecue, but what was your thought in bringing a barbecue restaurant to Brentwood, Tennessee and in the Nashville area and and how has this COVID thing really impacted you?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, there was a barbecue place here uh and there's a partner That I, uh, that, uh, was a barbecue pit master type and he was, he, he liked Texas barbecue and, and living in Brentwood, Tennessee, I can tell you that that's not, that's a rare thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's not any Texas barbecue here other than, than what we have now, but he had a Texas barbecue restaurant. Well, he had some problems, business problems, and then he had a quintuple bypass surgery that put him out of commission and his business out of commission for about six months. Mm. And uh, long story short, he came to me because I had known him and, and been there. And it was during the year where I had to serve my non-compete from Yahoo. And so I was looking for something to do for a year just to, to bide my time really. And he came to me and said, do you want to be partners in a, in a barbecue restaurant? And I said, I said, yes. Well, after about, so we opened one six months later or so. And after about a year of that, he, he and I just got crossways. He just was doing some things that led me to believe this is the real reason why his other couple of restaurants didn't go the right way. And uh, I, I ended up buying him out. Um, and uh, we've got Judge Bean's Barbecue now in Brentwood, and it's been there. We're going on. Uh, this is our 10th year, 10th uh, full year. It started 2009 late July so July late July will be our 11th year uh start so um it's been going strong and as far as covid is concerned we closed down because we have a we have a bar crowd that comes in around 4 and leaves around 6:30 every day but mostly it's a restaurant and um you know we closed completely closed because we We literally tried to stay open for a couple days just doing to-go, and our sales dropped like 90% Mm. for about four days, I guess. And uh, when that happened, I said, okay, we just need to close it and because I wasn't even doing enough to meet payroll, much less pay for the food. And um, we closed it for two to three weeks, I think, maybe even closer to uh, three and a half um, now that I think about it. Uh, but we came back with a, a better plan to do more uh, to-go's uh, and do uh, contact contactless to-go's uh, so that people could pay with credit card over the phone, uh, and then we would run it out to their car. They wouldn't have to touch, come in, touch anybody, anything like that. And now we're back to, uh, as Nashville has reopened, we, we're back to 50% capacity in the restaurant. Uh, and 25 percent capacity in the bar, uh, yet our to-go orders have still stayed strong. So um, we're up to around 80 85 percent of our uh, normal revenue nice. from uh, from from that. So uh, the thing is, it's it's definitely changed um, some hours for our guys in the kitchen, um, and so they're definitely feeling it. Um, as much as anybody right now from a financial standpoint. Uh people are being abnormally gracious to the to the wait staff That's right awesome. now That's with
2: awesome. tips.
0: So yeah, so usually, you know, it's fit in between people leave in between fifteen and twenty percent for for staff, uh for waiters and, and servers. Um it, they're they're well over twenty to twenty five percent right now. So if somebody comes in, they a fifty dollar you know, for a family of four or $50, they'll leave 25, $30 sometime tip, just trying to, because they know these, these people are, are uh, having a hard time right now. So, uh, that's been something that's, that's really been encouraging. Well,
1: that is good.
0: Um, well, I mean, they bet, and you have to remember the the servers and, and people, they don't have the volume either that they, that they once relied on right, to make their living. And so if you have half the, People in your restaurant—that means they get half the tips they used to used to get, and can service half the people. And so, it's it's important when they do have shifts that they're that they're making some money enough to to be there for for those people to to have a nice dinner.
1: Okay, from a business owner standpoint, um, you mentioned you had a pitmaster partner, but I now imagine you have a pitmaster employee. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Or employees, probably a group of guys that does that, and or gals. And uh, what, from a smoke standpoint, makes Texas barbecue unique?
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. So it is. It is a actual singular pitmaster. He, he was the same one that was there before, except it, 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 the previous uh, partner used him as the as the hmm. head guy. So basically, he's been the same pitmaster for. 10 almost 11 years now so there's him um, and I, what makes Texas barbecue different than some others is the type of wood we use typically um, so in Texas you use mesquite primarily Right. right. Um, mesquite is a tree that may grow to 10 feet 15 feet it's not a big tree um, and it's plentiful uh, throughout Texas, but primarily, um, uh, as you go out West. Um, however, uh, and we started, uh, you, we started off using that, but we just can't get mesquite wood here. Um, and so the closest that we can get is hickory. And so we use hickory and one thing we do, uh, and I can't speak to every different type of, of barbecue, whether it's Carolina or Kansas city, or, I, mean, I went and ate barbecue in California. I can't believe they call it barbecue there, but <laughs> the—I mean, it's horrible. It's really bad. But my point being, um, the the type what we do is we literally, you know, rub it down with the brisket, trim it, trim it, rub it down with uh, various spices, inject it. Uh, we do that with some uh, Cajun butter. Um, and then low and slow, um, it'll, it'll take a full 24 hours for us to, from start to finish to, to get it, uh, ready to go. But that's what we do. And, uh, we use the, I mean, just to be clear, we use, and this is another thing. Our goal is to use the charcoal to cook the meat and the wood to flavor it. So a lot of people try to cook and flavor with just the wood. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we, we actually use the charcoal to cook and the wood to smoke. Um, and it, it, uh, that's, that's kind of been what we've done forever. And I think it, it, uh, it tastes really good. Um, I will say that, that some people, um, nowadays, and if you have a, a big business, they don't even use charcoal and wood that much anymore. They use those electric smokers. So they, they do use wood, but it's a, it's a different ball game with electric smokers. But we, we have the old school pit that it's really, it's just homemade um, out of old uh, oil pipeline pipe. It's like a, I think it's 24 inch pipe. So with a, a smoke box and a hot box,
1: yeah, when I was down there last you or recently, I guess I don't know how many years ago. It all runs together, Bob, at our age. We just, <laughs> it's just it's just a sad We talked by decades. We uh-huh. talked by decades now. Yep. Recently. <laughs> recently, about ten years ago. Uh you took me back there, man. I was just fascinated. I was like a kid in a toy store watching your guys work the you know, move things on and off and keep the temperature and the fire at the right in the right Range. It was it was cool. It was cool. And then yeah. I smelled like smoke all day and I was probably quite possibly the sexiest guy in Nashville the rest of the day. <laughs> Did Becky think mm, so? <laughs> man. I smelled like I smelled like wood and Irish charm. That's that's what I smelled like.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, so whenever I go up there um and I come home, my, my wife just looks at me and just, like, goes <laughs> in the other room. My daughter is the one that gives me hell, though. I, she's like, you smell like – and I'm like, yeah, well, too bad. <laughs> I know. Daddy's been slaving over about, the coals. There's something about them, you know, smoked meat. Tastes good.
1: Oh, man.
0: Uh, It's the caveman in us.
1: I know. I shared my dream with you, and uh, you laughed at my dream, that I would like (laughs) to own a barbecue, like, hut, shack in a tropical location. and, And just right off into the sunset, smoking meat, giving it to tourists and locals and selling it and just doing my thing. So
0: kind of like Tom Cruise with cocktails and dreams exactly that's what we're serving here. <laughs> which,
1: which? I'm not going to juggle barbecue though. That'd just be weird. Um, was Becky and mine's first date cocktail? Are you kidding? Not really? Fantastic. Yeah. It, but I mean, with that kind of romance, she couldn't say no.
0: No, there's no chance.
1: No, and it had, uh, to,
0: be, it had to be that face you have that. that Gorgeous mug.
1: Yeah, exactly. It uh once you take her to see Tom Cruise juggling liquor bottles, it's <laughs> over, brother. It's just just over. Sh- <laughs> Poor woman never stood a chance.
0: Old, yeah, no, I mean, so where would you want to go? What's what's your favorite tropical place?
1: Well, I've never been there, um, but uh Belize seems right in my pocket zone. Like uh mm. you know, it's in it's off of it's part of Mexico, it's in that Caribbean part of the Atlantic.
0: I mean, uh, don't be uh, and, like don't I time timeout, timeout, timeout. Don't be like Trump and say like Finland's part of Russia. Well, yeah. Belize is
1: not part of Mexico,
0: it's part of Central America, South Well, America, it, Central it
1: borders Mexico oh, um, you, yeah, and um, it <laughs> it's English speaking too because yes, it is. I'm not going it's to strong. learn another language. I will be yeah. that guy that expects everyone to speak English. Not because I'm elitist, but because I'm the opposite. I'm an idiot and can't learn their language. So, although I'd like to learn Spanish.
0: So, uh, so Tim, true story. mm -hmm. I'm I'm with you on this. I took uh, Latin in high school. And you can't speak it. (laughs) It's an awkward language. I was actually an honors economics major at Texas. Okay. And so, I, I went and I was... In school to be an honors economics major, I just started my second year there, and it was the so it was the third semester and I, I was taking French okay so it was my third semester of French. The problem with the honors economics major for me was that it required two full years of a foreign language mm. and I placed out of Latin uh, two or four semesters of Latin for college. Uh, Latin, it, for the honors economics, it had to be two years of a spoken language. And so, I went to see the dean, and by the end of that day, I was a business school. <laughs> I, was, I got moved from economics to the business school because the third semester of French wasn't going to happen for me. I, I couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> I, I want you to think of the irony of higher education. That uh, You couldn't be in economics because you couldn't speak a foreign language. I'm telling you it's though, a true story. If, if I I had, literally, if I had I kids, cried. I would immerse them in Spanish. I mean, I would just immerse them in it because it's become such an important language in our, um, economy. I imagine you have Spanish speaking employees that having oh, some yeah. Spanish knowledge is really important.
0: Well, I mean, so it, that, that is one thing that from growing up in Houston, um, which is where I grew up, uh, you know, we, that Spanish is the second language there. And so you get that kind of that Spanglish, right. uh, uh, exposure, uh, or, and, and so I have some words and, and I can actually carry on a bit of a conversation in Spanish if with words that I'm familiar with only though. Uh, but I can try kind of understand what people are saying if they kind of speak rudimentary Spanish to me. But Um, as far as where I would want to live either speak a language that either speak English or a language I have no clue about even attempting to learn Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't want to be frustrated by that at this age because uh, to your point um, learning a new language is one of the more frustrating things that uh, I ever went through from a a, uh, academic standpoint so I can only imagine if I'm Forced to do so uh, in a uh, in another setting, so like a tropical island. I I will tell you, here's one for you. So they speak English all throughout the Caribbean. Um, The my favorite place in the Caribbean is Turks and Caicos. Um, We took the kid, me and Jenny took the kids there for a week, and I mean, it was just absolutely drop dead gorgeous. It's not it's not as. Commercial, as some other islands, uh, and there's definitely room for a barbecue hut there, in my opinion. So there, we go. there you go.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I'll be happy any place that is, is tropical and um, doesn't consistently get hit by hurricanes. Well, I can't help you on that one. I, don't know. I,
0: don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how often the hurricane uh, gets hit there, but it it's definitely it was uh, it's been my favorite, and I've been to. I guess I've been to Belize. I enjoyed Belize. They have great snorkeling there actually. Um, but I've never been, I've only been to the, like the little coastal area. I've never actually been to Belize proper. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm a more of an observer of the ocean than a participant. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, I don't know. You're the man.
0: Corona commercial, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you, you want you want the palm trees there? Exactly.
1: Have. I will sit on a <laughs> <Christmas> beach <laughs> uh, in a chair, a chair hopefully a fat guy can get out of. And uh, if if someone's bringing me beers, that'd be great because I don't find a reason to exercise while sitting on the beach and go get beers, and just watch the ocean, watch the waves break, feel the breeze, hear the birds. Go get my feet wet, maybe up to my waist. But I know, and I've said this on previous podcasts, so it's kind of weird. I know to a shark I am probably delicious. I'm I'm well marbled. Um, I probably put off a sensual fragrance. I mean, let's be honest here. And a shark would love to eat me. I mean, if I was a shark, I'd go after me. <laughs> so
2: I think
0: you'd be a little tough. Oh man! Well marbled, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but uh, there'd be some, some uh, uh, tough parts of you yeah. too. Now. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, 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 uh, don't kid yourself, brother. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, so, do you just have one restaurant, or did you at one point have a second one, or what? Am I what doing? now? Do you just have one location of your restaurant?
0: I, I, yes, we do. We had, we had, we had another one that we opened to down in a, another suburb area. And it just didn't do well, and so within a year of that even opening, I closed it. Um, and uh, we've—that's been about a year and a half ago since Screw we them. closed that down.
1: Screw those. So they don't deserve delicious.
0: Dishes. Oh no! They—they I mean, they don't deserve it. It was a—you know—there's the, three rules in in uh, the restaurant business, and I forgot them. And it's location, location, location,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and. Just to tell you about the location of that restaurant, um, two months after we closed our doors there, the Wendy's across the street went out of business.
1: Oh, God.
2: So, <laughs> so, so, so if Wendy's can't
0: make it, I don't I, – I mean I just don't – I don't have a heart. I don't
2: – you know, it's yeah,
0: difficult it. and I'm up – You know, it hurt me financially and all this other stuff, but I don't feel like I necessarily, you know, am the only one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know of any any Wendy's that's ever went out of business except for that one.
1: You mentioned location, but uh, there's a certain place outside of Austin that has a horrible location. You've got to drive forever. Oh, yeah. Salt Lake? Salt Lake. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's it's so good, Fitz. you will drive through nowhere to get there.
0: Fitz, that's where I had my rehearsal dinner for my wedding.
1: Wow.
2: You are...
0: <laughs> you are... Yeah. It was awesome. The bus got wow. stuck in the ditch, turning
1: in. <laughs> Absolutely it did. It's a salt lick. <laughs> yeah. Nothing but, makes uh, me feel like a more useless... Um, suburban faker than when I eat the salt lick at the Austin airport oh really yeah I mean it's still the salt lick but you gotta have the whole experience of going there and waiting and just the whole thing it's
0: yeah I, I totally agree I mean I think that obviously it, it, the other thing is you go to the salt lick and they have that all you can eat um, and you really you get any kind of meat you want And like this is something that I think that people in a lot of different areas of the country don't understand about Texas barbecue is sausage actually plays a big role in Texas barbecue because of the great number of German, Czech and Polish immigrants uh, that made up central Texas, which is where the kind of heart of barbecue is for the state of Texas. And so while brisket is is the bell cow so to speak it is a sausage that i think separates one place from another whereas in Kansas City uh it may be brisket but it's also ribs you know you know what i mean right. and so um it's it's a little different um in that regard uh from from my vantage point but um i i think that uh that's that's always one to to look for, and and so whenever you go to the Salt Lick, and if you ever get an opportunity, next time K-State plays in, in Austin, um, and go out there, I would encourage people to sit around, sit some, ask for a table somewhere near the pit. Uh, the pit is actually like a a circle in the middle of the restaurant, essentially, mm. uh, or a little a little off center, but but close to the middle of the restaurant. And if you sit next to it, you can see the the meat being cooked over an open mesquite fire, and it's just it's really neat. It's a good, great experience.
1: That's cool. I think that's why I don't I don't mind Texas barbecue, nor do I find it much different from Kansas City barbecue because sausage is my preferred meat, along with pork, then maybe ribs, and then brisket. And Hmm, Kansas City barbecue is really about brisket. I mean, their brisket's amazing, but that's just not my preference i mean I, i'll i certainly won't turn it down um as you can tell by me i don't i don't turn down much meat at all um but if you want to give me brisket i'll eat that but really i love sausage smoked sausage and and pork and that's my main things and so that is more texas in some ways
0: it, i i tell you um there's a a place that i would go to to tell you the next time you go to austin um for what I think is, is really, really good sausage. And that's at the iron works. Um, I think they have the, the, they may have the best sausage in town in, uh, Austin. And then if you ever go to Houston, um, you got to go to good company barbecue for the sausage there. I mean, it's, it's on a different, it's Czech sausage. And I think it's the best in the state. Uh, they've got it's jalapeno, uh, it's a bunch of spices. It is just it's. Wow. They've got jalapeno cheese bread there that you put it on. Homemade, fresh every day. I mean, it's just terrific. So, those are my those are my spots.
1: We've talked about barbecue far more than I ever imagined, but then again, I love barbecue so much. Yeah, I love
0: it. The, my my other favorite place in the state of Texas for barbecue actually is uh in Huntsville, Texas where Sam Houston state is mm. and uh, so I had a buddy of mine that uh, went to Sam Houston from he was a high school friend of mine went to Sam Houston had his uh, wedding in a little uh, town about fifteen minutes away from from Huntsville, Texas in a town called love lady and but we stayed over the night before in uh, Huntsville prior to the wedding and we had to go to, to lunch the next day after he got married or whatever. And he said, y'all should go to the Baptist church and have, <laughs> have huh. the barbecue there. And, uh, it is Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church. They only serve, this was, you know, 15 years ago since I've been there, but they only serve on three days a week and only for lunch. And when I tell you that it is otherworldly good, they have the best beef ribs I've ever had in my life. I mean, it just, they, unbelievable. And, uh, but there are places like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, uh, Kansas and Kansas city have places like that all over where you just, there's this one place, you know, of in this one city that, that is different. And uh, that's kind of how Texas is with barbecue.
1: Bobby, it's been incredible, man. It's I miss you guys. I miss you so much, and I want to. I was supposed to come down to Nashville here this spring to work on a contract extension, et cetera. But uh, the Rona had different ideas. So
0: yeah, that, that that's the way that works. Sometimes we don't. We can't control what we can't control.
1: I no you know. Well, we'll, I'll get down there. And I...
0: So, hey, I do have a question before you leave. You've yeah. got to give me an update on your, your health. Um, I'm doing okay. I've, te- I've texted with you about it, but I haven't really
2: well,
0: – uh, was... if, if it's okay.
1: I no, absolutely. I'm an, cry, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. I am coming off my hormone therapy, which I've been on now, approaching two years. And I've done two types. I had to go off the chemo pills because they were just really ravaging me mentally and physically. Um, And I'm still on Lupron, which is the typical prostate breast cancer hormone therapy. It's a six-month shot. I'm seven-plus months out of my last shot because I'm coming off of it. And it'll take a, a good two months probably for my testosterone to fully ramp up. With that said, my PSA late last week was undetectable again, which means I have no active prostate cancer cells right now. But they still could be lying inert from not having testosterone. So it's really positive news. It's good news. The next the next PSA in three months will be the big one, the big one, to let me know, okay, radiation either eradicated it or left it in such microscopic levels that it's going to take a long time for it to roar back, which is pretty common in stage four prostate. It's hard to get rid of every once it spreads in your body. That's why prostate cancer is mine was in my bladder and if it spreads outside of your prostate with prostate cancer they call you stage four because it's really hard to get rid of at that point
0: we're good you in a couple months we'll know more than two. yeah yeah as you as you're able to do all that
1: Good okay, brother love well, you man i'm glad you, I, you I love
0: well. you too y'all y'all be good tell becky hello for me
1: i will i will thanks bob right, talk right. to you
0: later bye. too all right bye
1: Bobby and I had an immediate connection 25 years ago when we spoke on the phone for the first time, and that bond remains. It was so good to pick up the phone and talk to him because we were long overdue. But as he mentioned, he's now 50, and it's time for Bobby and maybe yourself or a man you know to make sure they get their PSA scored. It's a simple blood test that aids in the early detection of prostate cancer. That's it for this episode of Life of Fit's. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. You ready for this? Yeah.
0: IF is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family.
2: Can we do it again?
0: IF Ready PG.